0: So this week on Texas, I'm joined by Jackie Price, who is the center manager at the Cancer Support Center. They are our charity partner for quarter two of 2023, and she's going to be telling me all about the great work that they do. I'm Mark Riddell, and this is the Texas Podcast. We publish a new episode every Wednesday packed full of IT and cybersecurity advice to help businesses like yours to make the right decisions and get the best from your technology investment. Make sure to follow Texas on your favourite podcast player to ensure you don't miss future episodes. Founded in 2001, the Centre is a place of sanctuary and support where everyone from the West Midlands area and beyond is welcome. The Cancer Support Centre helps anyone who's received a diagnosis and also their support network, and they are here whenever you need help. Cancer affects everything, you, your family and those surrounding you. So today I'm joined by Jackie, who is the charity manager at the Cancer Support Centre. And Jackie, thanks for joining us in the podcast.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: So maybe start by telling us about yourself, your your background, how you came to be involved with the charity.
1: I have always had a a background in charity. I've always worked in the charity sector and I took a little break from work probably about 12 years ago now. And and as you do, I got a little bit bored and I was looking around for something else to do. And I saw the advert for admin finance support at the Cancer Support Centre. And I thought that would suit me down to the ground. With a lot of trepidation, I applied for the role. I'm a very emotionally based person. So anything to do that evokes emotion, I thought, will I ever cope in that sort of environment, not knowing it, not understanding it, but having got there, it's not what you immediately imagine a cancer support centre to be. You walk into the centre and the first thing often that you hear is laughter. There's people buzzing around, you having chatting, tea, coffee. There, If there's any groups on they're taking part in those. It's never what you imagine a centre to be. So I started with them, yes, 11 years ago, moved on from admin and finance into managing the centre in its entirety. Immensely challenging position, but also very, very rewarding. And I view it as a privilege being based there and, and doing that. You meet such fabulous people. I guess until you've actually been in that situation yourself, you don't know how you're going to react. And when you meet people, yes, you'll meet people who are or believe that it's the end of the world. They've been given a cancer diagnosis and cancer traditionally has always meant in the past that, well, cancer equals death eventually. That's not the case anymore. There's such improvements in treatments, in the treatments that the hospital give you, that majority of people now survive quite a long time after they've had their diagnosis and a lot never go back to that you know they're completely cured so it's it's fantastic but i've digressed a little bit as i always do and go down a little path my work with the cancer support center i love it there but in 2017 i'll tell you a little story now 2017 i found a lump in my own breast and everybody sort of looked at me and went oh uh, you work there yeah i do i'm not exempt you know, it affects everybody. It doesn't choose who you're, who's going to affect and who it isn't. It will affect everybody. When I received that diagnosis, I very much went into a bit of a, a hole. I'd have to describe it as that. I didn't know what to do, I didn't know who to speak to, which is. Kind of bonkers really because I'd been working at the centre for how many years? I knew what help was available, I knew what support was available, but it just flies out of your head completely. So if I take you through what what support we give our clients, that will I'll do that as my journey. I sat down with one of the experienced therapists at the centre. And she talked to me about what my diagnosis meant, what treatments I was going to have. And we worked out some therapies, complementary therapies that would help and support me on my journey through that. And I found very much that when you have chemotherapy, you you have your chemo, you kind of go downhill and you feel really rubbish when you've had your chemo. And my chemo was every three weeks. So I found that the first week I was rubbish. The second week I felt a little bit better. And that was when I used to go to the centre and have a treatment. And I would have Reiki and I would have acupuncture. The Reiki cleared the fog in my mind, relaxed me, chilled me out. The acupuncture helped my body to reset. So Chris, who was offering acupuncture at the time, it sort of empowered my, my liver, my kidneys, uh, my spleen, all the, the organs that get rid of the rubbish and the poison out of your system and made me feel a lot better and helped my body, encouraged it to fight back, if you like. I had that going through eight sessions and uh, gradually got more and more disillusioned, if you like, in my mind as to where I was going. But uh, I have to say that's where it ended. The staff, who were actually my peers, my colleagues within the Cancer Support Centre, were immensely supportive of me and were helping me all the way through, encouraging me. The The therapies made me feel better and helped me get up and continue. So long story short, after I'd finished all my chemo, I finished my Radiotherapy, I was left with a few things that made my movement difficult. When you have, when you have breast cancer, uh, I had a lumpectomy, I didn't have to have a full mastectomy, but it compromises all your muscles and, and your tissue in your arm and in your armpit. So I was left with being able to get my arm sort of about here, and then it would be, oh, ouch, that, that hurts. And so, when you get things out of the cupboard, you know you have to get, you have to reach up, and that became almost a daily reminder of what had happened to me, and that's not good. I went to see one of the therapists who did Emmett. It's another therapy; it's a release, muscle release therapy. And I went in going, "Oh, ouch!" And I came out going, "Oh heck, I can do, and I can do it now, completely released," and that that was really empowering that was that really made me feel okay i can do this i can get back to i can get back to work i can get back to doing everything and it was like that with a lot of the different ways that i was supported we do breathing techniques for instance we all breathe <laughs> you do it naturally for the most part but when we breathe properly when we breathe Deeply, when we are relaxed, by breathing in that way, we can manage pain, we can manage anxiety, we can manage sickness. There are so many different things. we can manage well-being, you just feel better. I learned how to do that properly. I learned relaxation techniques. I re- learned mindfulness techniques, mindfulness techniques, and all of those things helped me throughout my treatment to relax and it helped my body recover it helped my body to actually bounce back everybody's journey when they come to the center is completely different no two people are the same we always ask when somebody comes if they what what are two things that if we could help if we can change them if we can make them better what two things would those be And for some people, it might be movement. For some people, it might be pain. For some people, it might be anxiety, sickness, sleeplessness, all of those things. And all of the different one to one therapies that we have on offer will address something. They will address one of those things. They will help one of those things. And the aim is always that whatever interaction, whatever support therapy, whatever one-to-one session we have, the aim is always to make people feel as well as they possibly can, whatever's happening to them that day, to teach them the breathing techniques, the relaxation techniques so that they can use them when they wake up in the middle of the night and they think the world's coming to an end, you know, when you're alone at midnight. There's nobody to talk to. And when you, if you can learn to use those things then, it's very helpful. It's very empowering because you're taking back control yourself.
0: But first up, I just want to tell you a little bit about the IT Services Buyer's Guide that we have. This is a free document on our website. You don't have to enter any information to get access to it. You just need to head over to www m3networks.co.uk forward slash buyers guide and you'll be able to click the link and get the download and this is going to give you loads of information to help you understand the questions that you need to ask any potential it partner in your business or indeed just go back and ask these questions to your existing it company and then you can help find out whether you're being served correctly and whether there's any gaps in the it support services that you are being offered now let's get back to the episode I asked you if you had any stories that you could share before yes. we started and um, I, I didn't expect you to share your own story like that, Jackie, so I really appreciate you, you sharing that. It's interesting how obviously you were working at the charity, were then diagnosed with cancer yourself. Yes. Do you think you would have still found the same support had you not known about the charity? I mean, for example, people go to the, like, to the doctor through NHS I'm assuming like local doctors and things are aware of the charities and directing people to these things, or would you still have found the same support do you think?
1: Not necessarily. Yes, we have GPs. Yes, we have consultants. Yes, we have the clinical nurse specialists who know about us and they do refer people to us, but sometimes that referring to us is giving somebody a leaflet. Now, mm. When you give somebody a leaflet, I don't know about you guys, when somebody gives me a leaflet, it goes into my bag and quite often doesn't see the light of day again. And when you recommend somewhere, the most power is in actually saying personal experience. I've been there. I know it's good. You get yourself down there. So-and-so went. She feels much better. He feels much better. I found this support. I can't say with all certainty that I would have ended up there. And I would hope that I would have done. All of this is about raising awareness, you know, that we're here. And we frequently have folk that drive past the, uh, the centre all the time and they'll say to us, I never knew you were here. I've been driving up and down this road for five years. I didn't know you were there. I always liken it to the, uh, I call it the red car syndrome. Until you've got a red car, there are no red cars about as soon as you've got a red car yeah. there are hundreds <laughs> and you yeah. know you don't notice something until it becomes personal to you yeah, so, yeah
0: you're yeah. totally right you're totally right i mean the leaflet thing i get that you know it's like oh here's a leaflet maybe go and talk to them but one of the things you said at the beginning was that when you first kind of go into the center you hear this laughter and there's this kind of positivity around it and maybe. Yes people will not reach out from a base in a leaflet because they maybe think I don't really want to go there. It's going to be quite a negative or depressing type of environment, you know, whereas you've said you've painted a completely different picture. Actually, a lot of the things you've talked about in different treatments, I did no idea that that was something that cancer support centers would offer because like some of these things that you've talked about, I've heard of like Reiki and stuff, but don't really know much about it other than I know it's a thing. So, yeah, it's really interesting to hear how you can help with the physical stuff. And even afterwards, like like you said, even after you had surgery and things, there was still kind of limitations. So it's not just about when you're actually going through it, but afterwards as well, right? So, um, it, it is, so yeah, it's really as, interesting. Absolutely.
1: The assumption is that once you've finished your treatment, that everything's okay, right? Everything, it's all gone. It's yeah. happened, you know, it's in the past. Quite often, that's when the real challenges start coming to terms with what's happened. You know, you've sailed through it. You've been told for the past six, eight, 10, 12 months where to go, who to see, who to speak to, how high to jump sometimes, you know, make sure you're doing this. And then when that's all finished, that's it. You're suddenly on your own. And quite often the enormity of what's happened then hits. You have to try and come to terms. Okay, what do I do now? You know, you might have body image changes because of surgery it might be hormonal changes because of treatments that you've had because of the surgery that you've had all of those things affect you as a person affect your outlook they affect how you think how you are and and actually trying to get your head around those changes is challenging it's challenging not just for you yeah. you know if you've got a loved one a partner wife husband whoever it is and there's been body changes through surgery they've they're affected by that as well they're affected by your moods they're affected by what's happened in and and in lots of ways you know somebody who is who hasn't got the diagnosis so the supporter carer has i want to say <laughs> A more difficult time of it in lots of ways because the focus isn't on them. You know, when you've got a diagnosis, as I've just said, you're told where to go and who to see. You know, you're on your schedule like this. And your supporter carer is sort of left, they want to help. I want to help. What do I do? What do I say? You know, how can I do something to make it better? And you can't make it better. It's being there, it's being the, the sounding board when somebody wants to talk or even not talking just being there you know and those sorts of things are really really challenging for somebody you know our nature is to make things better take things away and when you can't do that it makes you very anxious and sometimes very angry even
0: anyone that's had a diagnosis like yourself and you'll be able to maybe agree with this but I can can imagine it's you just suddenly takes over your life right oh. and then like you have said when you come when it's done it's like hey great done you're, you're cancer free or whatever cool but then your entire focus for maybe the last nine 12 months or whatever has been that thing so suddenly it's right like, like that thing's gone now um so even mentally like to get back into because i mean i'm sure some people maybe have would have either stopped working because of treatment and stuff and then they go right actually. I'm still here. I can I can go back to work now. But even mentally, as as you've maybe touched on, getting back into the world again when this whole thing has consumed your entire thought process for such a long period of time. So yeah, I can imagine that's that's difficult. I mean, it's even sometimes difficult getting your brain engaged after being off on holiday for two weeks. Never mind <laughs> having something so life changing like cancer. You know, take up your entire focus for such a long period of time. So. Thankfully, never been in that position personally, and hope I never am. But you know, as we all know, a lot of people are, and and including yourself. So, one of the one of the next questions that kind of had for you was in terms of like, who do you help? You know, do because I know there are specialist you know support centers for like children with cancer and stuff. So, do you guys see all ranges of people?
1: We support adults, not children. We have enough clients to contend with with the adults. The way I describe in a nutshell what we do would be that the hospitals look after the clinical needs and the treatments of the body, absolutely, but that leaves the mind and the spirit and that's where we step in. We can support those and we look after the emotional and psychological challenges that is Really important to managing and coping and being the best you can be, whatever the situation, whatever the prognosis, even. That's where we fit alongside the hospitals and the treatments. We will support adults who actually have a diagnosis, whatever stage they are with that, whether they've just had the diagnosis, whether they are in the middle of chemo or radiotherapy, whether it's after surgery, whether it's when they're. Uh, they've completed all their treatments and they're adjusting to a different life, different perspectives, perspectives, whatever that is. But alongside those, the adults that are affected by cancer directly, we will also support the close family. And as I've just said, you know the the impact on the close family, the supporter in particular is is really important in our view. And yeah, we can help them come to terms with what's happening. Give them an ear. A listening ear so that they can sound off, they can say whatever they need to say without fear of upsetting the other person. You know, so it's a straight, a stranger, you know, a friendly stranger, I would hope that they can actually sound off at to help them through that particular emotional time. But also to help explain some of the physical and emotional reactions that perhaps their loved one is having and give them techniques that they can use as well to calm someone, you know, teaching them breathing techniques as well, you know, so that they can relax and say, okay, we're we're both particularly anxious at the moment. Let's sit down and let's just take a few minutes and, and do this together. So actually doing that together and working together is immensely powerful. We hope that we offer a safe place, a place where we can help them with decision making, taking back control and be, building back confidence and self esteem. When you've gone through treatment like that, when you've been told to go to have your life controlled for that length of time, quite often when you come out the other end, your confidence and self esteem is in your boots. Mine certainly was. And to try and build that confidence up, you know, it takes a while and you've often got to have that encouragement behind you. One of the really brilliant things that I, I love that we do, I'll just digress a little bit here. I don't know whether you've heard of Amy Cuddy. She had, it's like the the power pose. It's called a power pose. So you might be too young to remember Wonder Woman. The power pose is the Wonder Woman pose, really. So you stand with your feet slightly apart, hip width apart, you have arms on your hips, lift your chin up, you know, chest out, okay. And as soon as you do that, without saying anything, you feel more empowered, you feel stronger, you feel like you can do anything. Quite often we sit and we are sort of slouched a little bit. Even when we stand, we slouch a little bit. but. If you can learn, we call it the power pose. If you can do that, it really helps you breathe for a start, but it will fill you with confidence. And once people have learned how to do that, we start adding a mantra to it. And the mantra might be something very simple. We try and keep it really simple. And I can do this. So you stand in there like this and you are... You can have the mirror in front of you if you want to. If you need to give yourself a good talking to, you know, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. You know, so you put different emphasis on the different words. And that it really lifts you. It builds your confidence. It builds your self-esteem. And people can pick their own thing that they want to say alongside it. But that just that little thing really really helps build somebody's confidence and you don't have to have had cancer to to use that you know if you're ever feeling a bit okay i've got to go and do this you know, going to the dentist for some people you know it can be quite traumatic but actually give yourself a good talking to using the power pose yeah you know it i'm can, gonna it that's can it.
0: i'm gonna do that every day going gonna i'm just gonna stand like that all the time now you know what I mean? <laughs> see if anyone picks up on it it's like you look like wonder woman you know <laughs> <laughs> that's really interesting and you've shared some actually great tips there as well that people might pick up on like you said mm-hmm. even not just people you know going through a cancer diagnosis but you know that can help with a lot of stuff yes i going to start doing that before every podcast me and neil are going to yeah. stand up and do a power pose <laughs> so now that has been really interesting jackie i guess the, the final thing to ask is what's the best way for for people to find you guys to get in touch social media website what's the kind of best way that people can um, can reach out yeah. to you
1: you can certainly find us on the internet, the website, SuttonCancerSupport.org. We have quite an active, a very active Facebook account. You'll be able to get all the, uh, the links to our website and our Facebook and everything on TexasPodcast.com.
0: Thanks yes. very much for joining us, Jackie. I appreciate it. And for sharing your own story, which is, uh, which is great.
1: No, that's no problem at all. Thank you for having me. And I hope I've made sense.
0: Texas is an M3 Networks podcast. Find out more at m3networks.co.uk.